Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Rejection of godly advice can be disastrous for both an individual and their family. And sometimes, though, sometimes, and you got to be aware of this, sometimes it's not evident immediately. In other words, if I gain godly advice, I say, nah, my logic tells me, no, this. Well, I may go for years thinking, See, he was wrong, and I was right. And then all of a sudden, the bottom falls out. And if we trace it back, it says, wow, that was the advice I should have followed back there. Rejection of godly advice can be disastrous. God places individuals in our lives to be his hands and feet, and often his messengers. Today, Pastor David encourages us to listen to godly counsel. The consequences of ignoring such advice will not always present themselves right away, but eventually they will catch up with us. Have you surrounded yourself with Bible-believing, Jesus-following friends? If so, their advice should be of great value to you. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 8, entitled, Saul. I got to get rid of David because people are going to start, you know, looking at him and, and suddenly all this stress. We see this in his life. We find that he relied less and less on the advice of Samuel and the word of God in his life. And he planned more and more on his own understanding and his own logic. We find that he takes on this priestly function which, again, that shouldn't have been his at all. And we find that, again, he's disobedient while he's claiming to be obedient. I've done everything that God has called me to do. By the way, did you meet my new best friend, Agag? We're going to have a big party tonight. we got lots of sheep and oxen over here. The third thing I see, because of his moral failure and continued disobedience, God's hand and blessing was removed from Saul. Beloved, that's a scary, scary situation. We, we, we read in, in 1 Samuel 16, verse 14, that Saul literally loses the Spirit of God. And again, in the Old Testament, they could do that. The Spirit of God came upon individuals for times and seasons and for purposes. It's not like in the New Testament where he comes to abide in. But in the same idea, his, his frustration, Saul's frustration, caused him to kill the, the priests of Nob. Why? Because they helped David out. And so Saul went in and killed all the priests. Near the end of his life, he even turns to witchcraft, the witch at, at, at Endor. Even after he had said, hey, you know, if there's any witches in the country, we're going to get rid of them. They're gonna kill them. They're, they're no good. And yet it's Saul himself who goes to seek an answer 
from the witch at Endor. And then finally, his life is ended in suicide. Man, what a, what, a, what a wretched epitaph that is of a man who could have begun a reign that lasted forever. His children, his children's children, and on and on, had he been obedient to the Lord. So some principles real quick. Similar to what we saw last week in Peter's life, initial success and greatness doesn't guarantee a rich life in old age or future achievements. The application to that, I need to do a compass reading I need to make sure that I'm on course on a continual basis. We need to be checking, saying, wow, I, I, I think I'm doing okay, but really, let, let, me, let me get the compass out. Wow, am I ever off course? And what's the compass that we use, folks? The Word of God and also the input of godly men and women around us. I, I, I need to check my course by personal evaluation as well as that external evaluation. We, we, we need people around us who are willing to tell us the hard things. Hey, you know the way you're treating your wife? It's, that's not good. You know the, the, the way you, you spoke to your husband? That's not honoring him. And, and you know, we, we can do that in love. We, we don't come and do that in judgment because every one of us are, are just as capable of doing that. Hey, you know, wow, the way you're acting, the way you're responding, hey, check that. What, what's going on? Haven't seen you in church for a while. Is everything okay? Do you have people in your life that you allow to ask you the hard questions? And do you continually tell them, it's okay for you to ask me those questions. I want you to ask me those questions. Or do they get to the point that says, wow, yeah, I feel a real tension every time I go and speak to the brother now. So make that. The second thing that I see, pride always, always, always comes before a fall. And the only true fulfillment in life comes from obedience to the Lord. Uh, real quick, Psalm, uh, or Proverbs 8, 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth, God says, I hate. Proverbs thirteen eighteen. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored. Are you willing to take a rebuke? Every one of us. I don't care who you are. You've got to be willing to take the rebuke. Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Pride comes before a destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I got it all together. My life is fine. No, no, no. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I'm, no, I'm a mess, and I know it, so... Application to that is, do I walk in true humility before God and before man? Or do I need a t-shirt to tell everybody how humble I am? I'm humble. In fact, I got a nice award for being humble. Come on over, I'll show it to you. What are some of the signs in my life that show my utter dependence upon the Lord rather than self-confidence and pride? Or just some, you know, if I, if I do a check in, in my own life, what are some things in my life that says, wow, you know, if God doesn't do that, it's not getting done. If, if God's not in control here, there's no way. Or can you look at your life and say, most of the things in my life 
I got a handle on. And I can take care of it. Beloved, if that is your life, woe be unto you. Because it will fail. The last thing in dealing with this whole idea of humility, again, is am I willing to listen to and take to heart correction from others? Okay. He says, yeah, but what he said wasn't true. Is there something in there that was true? Glean the morsel that might be in there. They may be saying something to you in anger and in frustration, but stop long enough to allow the Lord to take that and find out, okay, where within all of that is the morsel of truth that I need to gain from it? The third point, we are moving along, the third point. Our sin affects not only ourselves, but also those around us. Also those around us. Rejection of godly advice can be disastrous for both an individual and their family. And sometimes, though, sometimes, and you've got to be aware of this, sometimes it's not evident immediately. In other words, if I gain godly advice, I say, nah, my logic tells me, no, this. Well, I may go for years thinking, huh, see, he was wrong, and I was right. And then all of a sudden, the bottom falls out. And if we trace it back, it says, wow, that was the advice I should have followed back there. I sometimes wish that God was quick to judge. Step out of line, whack. Okay, whoa, okay, I'm going to stay in line. But our God is not that way. Our God is gracious. He is long-suffering. He is merciful. He wants us to obey him, not because we're going to get whacked, but because of our great love for him. Yeah, we would all obey him if every time I took, you know... Two inches off, man, there's, I have no other choice. I've got to do the right thing. I've got to do the right thing. And we walk in this total, absolute fear. God wants us to walk in love for him. Where? Wow. I don't want to go over there. That breaks my father's heart. The truth is, because sin does affect us and others around us, God's word and his way must be followed. Otherwise, there will be discipline. Maybe not immediately, but there will be discipline. So the application of this, in the choices I make, do I first of all consider the Lord and then check to see the consequences to others? Or do I just look and say, well, that sounds good to me, boom. And I just figure the collateral damage later. You know, God will take care of that. No. Or do I consider, is this really where the Lord wants me? And how is this going to impact others around me? 
Are there events, the, the, the next thing, are there events going on in my life right now that might just be the Lord trying to get my attention? In other words, am I facing some discipline and correction? I look at my life and say, wow, things are not going real smoothly. Well, think about it. Stop, stop pause, think for a second. Could this be that the Lord is just bringing a little bit of course correction in your life? He wants you to walk correctly, and he's just trying to bring that in. Because, again, a loving father does discipline his children. And then thirdly on this application. And this is a hard one for you, perhaps, to really pause and think about. But I want you to pause and think about it. Can you list one or two or maybe three? We'll stop at three right now. But one, two, or three areas in your life right now that you know God's not pleased with. That you know that in your life right now, I know that area in my life, this decision, these steps that I'm taking, this direction that I'm going, these attitudes that I have, I, I know God's not pleased with them. Oh, but praise God, yeah, he's a gracious and forgiving God. So, No, no, don't go there right now, okay? Don't go there. Think about those things that you know that he's not pleased with. What are you willing to do about them? The fourth and I believe the last thing. Yeah, the fourth thing, and again, dealing with this whole idea of the Holy Spirit. We understand that the Holy Spirit ministered, he interacted differently in the Old Testament than he does in the New Testament. And it was possible, again, in that Old Testament time frame, to lose the Spirit of God. That's why David cried out after his sin with Bathsheba. He says, Lord, don't take your Spirit from me. Because for one thing, for David, that was an important thing. You know, the sad thing is, is there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians today that if the Holy Spirit left them, it wouldn't make much difference in their life. Because there's not much of the Spirit working in their life anyway. But right now in the New Testament, I really believe wholeheartedly, and I know that there's some in the church that believe otherwise, but I really believe wholeheartedly, according to God's word, that it is not possible for a true believer who has, again, received Christ and has been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God to lose the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus told the disciples in John 14, verses 16 and 17, he says, I'll pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. A little bit earlier in John, John chapter 10 verses 28 and 29. Jesus again speaking, he says, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. The reality is, is 
truly born-again believers who truly have a relationship. You know that you've got a relationship with him. You are in Jesus' hand. Jesus is in the Father's hand, and the Holy Spirit's right in the middle of all of it. And I know that. However, I need to say this because I think that this, even for believers, is the, the thing that's hitting most yeah, okay, I'll go ahead and say it, most believers today. Because I tell you what, if most believers were on fire with the Spirit of God, our churches would be different, our nation would be different. But it's not, okay? So most believers fall into this category. We can quench and we can grieve the Holy Spirit even to the point that his influence, his direction, and yes, even his protection is removed from our lives. We can grieve him, and we can quench him so much. And he says, okay, I'll back off. And you're so strong, you're so mighty, you're so wise, you're so powerful. You got it all together. We're warned, First Thessalonians tells us, don't quench the Spirit. Ephesians tell us, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It's interesting, there's a passage in Isaiah, it's Isaiah 63.10, and again, bearing in mind this whole idea of Old Testament way that the Holy Spirit ministered in New Testament way, but Isaiah 63.10 says that they rebelled and they grieved his Holy Spirit, so God turned himself against them as an enemy, and he fought against them. Wow. That's, that's, that's a spooky, spooky thing. And beloved, I, I look at these things and I say, okay, what, what, is, what is the application? Where do, I, where do I take this truth? What do I do with it in my life? And I'm drawn to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. And I want you to turn there as we close. Ephesians chapter 5. Beginning in verse 18. Paul writing to believers here. He's writing to the church. He says, don't be drunk with wine, which in is dissipation, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. Now, wait a minute, Pastor. When I received Jesus, I got the Holy Spirit. I got all the Holy Spirit that there is, and I don't need no more Holy Spirit. I, I've heard that line, and uh, I don't care what you say, and I'm sorry if, you, if you've got a problem with that, but Paul says, no, you as a believer need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I, as a believer, need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the actual Greek phrase, the verb tense of it is, be being filled with the Spirit. Continually be being filled with the Spirit. I shared with us, uh, one I don't know if it was a Sunday or a Wednesday, months ago, the, the same verse and the same thing. And I said the reason we need to be keep being filled with the Spirit is because we leak. Okay, we leak. Well, I got a phone call uh, or an email uh, that next week and says, I was at your service that Wednesday, and, and you said that we, that we lose the Holy Spirit in our lives. No, we don't lose the Holy Spirit in our lives, okay? But we lose the filling and the power and the influence and the direction and the protection of the Holy Spirit in our life. 
When I, man, I, I get out in the world and my mind gets away from the things of God and I get distracted with, distracted with this. And my flesh comes in here and this goes on and this goes on. I'm pretty soon. You know, I look, whoa, is this the Spirit of God working? No. Whew. That's just drained right out of me. Lord, I gotta be filled again. Fill me. Continually fill me. That's why we've gotta continually be on guard. Because if we're not on guard, suddenly we look and man, we, we want three or four weeks. Maybe months. And suddenly, man, we, we reek of the earth rather than the essence of Christ. Okay. So what do I do? I've got to take a spiritual inventory. Have you taken a spiritual inventory of late? You need to check your fruit pantry, okay? Check your fruit pantry. See what you got in there. Real quick. Galatians chapter 5, most of you are very familiar with this. Galatians 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit. Are you filled with the Spirit? Oh, yeah, I'm filled with the Spirit. Okay, let's do an inventory here, okay? Let's just check. Galatians 5, 22. The fruit of the Spirit is, again, is your pantry full? Check, see. Is it filled with love? Is it filled with joy? Is there a peace in your life that when the world comes against you and literally all hell breaks loose against you and the bottom drops out of your boat and you're wondering what in the world is going on in my, is there still a peace there? Maybe you just need a refilling of the Spirit. Just need to be refreshed in Him. Is there long-suffering in your life? In other words, if somebody's coming against you, are you real quick to retaliate? Or, or is there a long-suffering? You know what? Man. I want the mind of Christ. Uh, I want to be able to turn the other cheek. I want to be able to give you my cloak if you ask for my shirt. I want to go two miles if you ask, require one mile. I want to be able to go. I want, I want to be, again, the attitude and the mind of Christ. Is there kindness in your life? Is there goodness? Faithfulness. Beloved, that's faithfulness in so many areas. Faithfulness of wedding vows faithfulness of your word. You've given your word. Do you fulfill and do you keep your word? Faithfulness to the things of God in your life. Do, do people look at you and say, you know what? If, if they said that the sky outside is green, the sky must be green because I know I can depend upon them. They will not lie. They will not deceive. There's a faithfulness there. Is there a gentleness in your life? Well, Pastor, you don't know the way I was raised. I just wasn't raised gentle. And, you know, my family, you know, get tough or die. And that's just the way we are. No, you know, you, you've been born into a new family. There ought to be a new spirit working within you. Gentleness ought to be one of those fruits in there. And self-control. Against such, there's no law. And those, catch this, those who are Christ, those who are truly believers, not just those that come to church, but those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become like Saul, conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And by the way, yeah, you do need to have a balanced inventory. Well, I'm doing really good on that peace thing, but uh, that gentleness I just don't have. We need a balanced fruit in our pantry. Amen. Oh.
Pastor David has been introducing us to biblical characters through this series, some who knew Jesus, some who only knew the prophecies, but all who were led by their Creator. They weren't perfect, as we see again and again, but that didn't disqualify them. Mistakes don't disqualify you either. God can and wants to use you today to do something incredible for the kingdom. Are you ready to step out in faith? We'd love to be praying for you as you do. So give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We are so glad you tuned in today to Pastor David's teaching on the open word, and we pray you've been encouraged. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Pastor David's here to tell you how. Hey, thanks, Chris. All the messages you enjoyed here on The Open Word are available on our website. Just visit theopenword.com and click on Teachings. You can scroll through our archive and listen online, or you can download the teachings to take with you on the go. I've even provided my notes for most of the teachings so you can read right along. You might see something new your ears may have missed. Feel free to share any of my teachings if you feel it would benefit a friend or a family member. That website, one more time, is theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you in person, too. If you're in the area, come join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find all the information you need at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Join us next time for another edition of The Open Word.